Hello, how are you? I hope you are doing okay. Welcome to this Sunday at Central. It is, it's really good to be with you. Thank you for inviting us into your homes this Sunday. And though we are gathering virtually, we are still gathering. And so uh, it is so good for you to join with us this Sunday. Um, we're continuing this, this series, um, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, and you have me again as we dive into this second session, um, or sorry, the third session in this series. So let me begin with a question. What does a mature follower of Jesus look like? What does a mature follower of Jesus look like? What image do you carry in your mind as to what that person might look like? I always think of someone older. Life has brought them experience. They're kinder. They're more patient. They have a twinkle in their eye, actually, that flashes humour and hope. What image do you carry in your mind of a mature follower of Jesus? And if you think about what this looks like in 60s or 70s, then what might that look like if you're in your 40s or 50s or your 20s and 30s? What does a mature follower of Jesus look like? Do I look like a mature follower? And if so, why? Do you look like a mature follower? Are they articulate and funny? Or perhaps are they maybe composed and they carry a silent strength? Do they command attention when they walk in a room? Or do they make you feel deeply listened to when you talk to them? Do they carry a brown leather journal and have a beard and wear monochrome? What does a mature follower of Jesus look like? Can you spot one? Do you look like one? I know I'm having a wee bit of fun here, but take a moment and think about this. What attributes do you expect in a mature Christian? Take a moment, what comes to mind? And then let me ask a follow-up question. How do you compare? Years ago, I ran a youth event in Belfast called Manifest. It was an absolute joy to be part of. Great team, amazing speakers, really, really special. And I can recall one of the speakers and asking the crowd as he started uh, his talk, and he said, do you recognize me? He looked out and he says, do any of you recognize me? And then he started to share how before the event had started, he'd sat out in the front of the building in a little bit scruffier clothes and he had watched lines of young people walk past him. Some noticed him, some chose not to notice him, some stopped and chatted, some offered food, some walked on by. He didn't share this to catch us out or make us feel guilty, but it does underline the judgment calls that we make all the time on folks around us. How do you see people? How do you see Jesus in people? Today's principle for emotionally healthy living is really interesting. To live in brokenness and vulnerability. It's really interesting because I am confronted with the questions of brokenness and vulnerability and I find it clashes with this image that I carry of how maturity in faith expresses itself. Yet it resonates with what I see God is and what he asks. 
to live in brokenness and vulnerability. I mean, it's advocating the obvious. I mean, we are broken and we're vulnerable. So what's the big deal here? And that's when the conversation gets really interesting. Because though we might admit this, we might not argue with the premise, we don't aspire to be broken and vulnerable, do we? We aspire to be whole. We aspire to what we see as the antithesis of vulnerability. We aspire to strength. And that's when the conversation gets really interesting. Why do we aspire to strength? What is it about strength that seems attractive? Why do we not want to show our weaknesses? Why do we hide our vulnerability? And it seems that we're drawn into this clash of what God is modeling and asking of us and how we hear, how I hear this invitation and think I live it out. What does a mature follower of Jesus look like? What image do you carry in your mind's eye of what that person looks like? Because I am confronted with questions of brokenness and vulnerability. It clashes with that image that I carry, yet resonates in what I see God is and what he asks. Our God entered the world in the vulnerable, needy, dependent form of a baby. And he finished the first part of his life on the cross, broken and vulnerable. He lived vulnerability, not Instagram vulnerability. Our saviour needed someone to feed him, wash him, comfort him, he would not have survived those early stages without another person looking out for him. And for the end, the cross, painful, humiliating, abandoned, there's nothing rose-tinted about that vulnerability. It's deeply uncomfortable. You find yourself automatically tilting your head away because it is too painful to think about our saviour in this way. What does a mature follower of Christ look like? What image do you carry in your mind's eye of what that person might look like? And what is this call in our lives to become like Christ, to be Christ-like? It seems perhaps you and I are actually have a deep, almost visceral call in our life to recognise our dependency, our neediness, our brokenness. So why do we shy away from this? Why do we applaud independence and wholeness? Why do we hide? How do you handle brokenness? How do you handle brokenness in the lives around you? How do you handle brokenness in your life? Do you embrace it? Do you shy away from it? It's scary revealing ourselves or true selves to others in case they might reject us. So we hide sometimes and we cloak our weakness with distance we cover up our failures with bravado or perhaps even denial. Yet, yet, is there perhaps a release if we just take a moment and we simply acknowledge that we are all broken and imperfect? And perhaps this is the life that Jesus is calling us towards. Awareness of our brokenness and vulnerability. Perhaps this is part of the upside-down kingdom he invites us to be part of. Not that we want to do anything to add to someone's brokenness or to expose their vulnerability, but more that we stop, sit down, and take a moment to see this is actually who we are. And this is actually what we're called to. Not to hide pain, 
not to run from hard things, not to pretend, not to fake it till we make it. Would you be willing to give up that image that you carry in your mind's eye of what a mature follower of Jesus looks like and instead carry an image of brokenness and vulnerability? Carry an awareness of your brokenness and vulnerability. There is no strength in weakness. You know that. When you spent time in a hospital bed or watched a loved one there, there is no glamour in brokenness. You know that as you watch the fallout of poor choices, at times yours and at times others. There's no status in brokenness. Poverty, want and desperation are not easy bedfellows. But as I shared last week, surely my status is in him. Would you be willing to give up your image, the image that you carry in your mind's eye of a mature follower of Jesus and instead carry an image of brokenness and vulnerability? Walk in the reality of your life and mine. And if we don't acknowledge our brokenness and vulnerability, might we miss out? Last week, I turned the spotlight on two women, uh, two women that Jesus encountered. And today, I'd like to turn the spotlight on two men. Um, if we turn to the first one, and uh, you can read of his story in Luke chapter 18. Again, this is one of those characters we do not know his name. Um, but we do know that he was a ruler, he was a member of the official council or court, and he carried some status. Think young professional. Smart, hardworking. And he comes running to Jesus. He actually runs up to Jesus, falls on his knees before him and asks, good teacher, what must I do to inherit life? I mean, if you were there, if you were a bystander, you'd be impressed right now. This young man is seeking Jesus. And Jesus says, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not give false testimony. Honour your father and mother. All these I have kept since I was a boy, he said. Again, you'd be impressed. Here is this young man. He is living well. He is holding to the laws. He hasn't committed adultery. He hasn't murdered. He hasn't stolen. He hasn't given fault witness. He's honouring his mum and dad. How would I answer that question? How might you? This young man has lived well and he seeks Jesus' help to inherit life. And again, Jesus knows. Jesus knows what is going on beneath the surface. He knows what is important and what is holding this man, what is holding us back. And so he says to this young man, in fact, it says in Mark, uh, in, the, in another account of this story, it says, Jesus looked at him and loved him. I love that. As Jesus responded to this young man, it says, Jesus looked at him and loved him. And then he said, you still lack one thing. Sell everything you have, give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. And at this, the young man's face fell. He became really sad because he was really wealthy and he did not want to give up his wealth. The young man left sad. 
this young professional, this wealthy young professional walked away. And I wonder, do we do this with Jesus? Do we run to his feet? We ask earnest questions. We seek out life with him. And he looks upon us with love and gently probes at something in our lives or at our lifestyle that we need to give up. And that's where we walk away, unwilling to lay it down, unwilling to be vulnerable. We hold onto our perceived strength, unwilling to live life in a different way. And so we live a half-life. Perhaps even like this young ruler, you're keeping all the good morals, you're living well, but you just aren't willing to give it up. Whatever your, whatever my it is. And we walk away. It's like we had a sip. We know how good life with him might taste, but we're just not willing to embrace it. Is it any wonder that Jesus points us towards a life of brokenness and vulnerability? Because everything else is a sham of respectability and good intentions. And respectability and good intentions do not bring life. We do this really easily in Northern Ireland, don't we? Respectability and good intentions. I don't know if you have noticed the number of newly painted fences up around people's houses. Everyone is out repainting their gates, their drives, their fences. They look great. But what's behind the front door? What's going on within the fences? What's going on beneath the surface? Surely we want more. We don't just want this. For this young man, he hid behind his wealth. Maybe it's the same for you. And maybe it's something else. Maybe you're hiding behind pride, bravado, social life, popularity, or maybe even your insecurities, hiding from Jesus. What might Jesus ask of you today? And how might you respond? Maybe, maybe stepping into vulnerability and brokenness might actually release us. Turn with me to the second man, uh, another man who sought out Jesus. And we read of his encounter in the next chapter, in Luke chapter 18. Jesus was passing through Jericho. There were crowds. I don't know if the crowds were there because of Jesus or it was just a place of hustle and bustle. But the place was rammed. It was hard to find Jesus. It was hard to see Jesus. And so this man runs ahead and climbs up high so we can see him. You probably know the story I'm referring to. It's the story of Zacchaeus. You know, I think Zacchaeus has turned into one of those comic characters in the Bible. We have this short, super keen to see Jesus and yet can't see Jesus. And we have told this story or been told this story countless times. And we have this image of this wee man jumping up high trying to see Jesus, but he can't. Trying to see him standing on his tippy toes, but he can't. He climbed a sycamore tree, which even this adds to the comic tone, a grown man climbing trees. Is it because Zacchaeus was small that it's easy to jest at him? 
It's easy to poke fun at him because he was a loner, a man with few friends. And so we've relegated this tale, to, this story to bedtime tales. But what we have is a grown man, a chief tax collector, a wealthy man running to see Jesus. How do we find the previous story of the young ruler running to Jesus noble and heartwarming, and yet this one is funny and amusing? Already I feel like God is chipping away at the notions that I carry about people, chipping away at how I see people, how we see each other. So let's come back to the story. Zacchaeus has climbed that sycamore tree and we read, when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up. I don't know, did the man in the tree catch his eye? Or more likely, was it one of those ordained moments like the woman at the well? Jesus knew who to talk to. And so Jesus says, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. And what happens? Zacchaeus comes down at once and welcomes him gladly. And then the gossip trail starts and the people saw this and they began to mutter, how is he going to be the guest of a sinner? That Jesus would eat with, that Jesus would take time with someone like Zacchaeus. But what happens from this encounter? A transformed life, a wealthy, rich man giving away half of his money and repaying his debts. We read Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anyone out of anything, I'll pay them back four times the amount. Today we have before us two men, both wealthy, both running to Jesus. And in the, in the encounter, one holds on to his wealth and one gives it away. One holds on to his wealth and another finds life. Which one would you want to be? Which one are you? If, if you're listening to this sermon, this talk, I'm going to suggest that you are running towards Jesus. You are curious about him. So how are you going to respond? This isn't a talk about wealth per se. It's a talk about what is going on in your life. What are you shrouding your life in? Propping your life up with? And would you be willing to sacrifice that for what Jesus offers? Are you willing to admit your vulnerability? To climb a tree? To give up your money? To repay your debts? Would you swap strength for vulnerability? Togetherness for brokenness? It seems that as we follow Jesus, we have an increasing sense of weakness and sinfulness. Uh, Peter in this chapter refers um, to Paul and Paul's story. And he talks about how um, Paul grows with an increasing sense of his weakness and sinfulness. Um, in, In Galatians in AD 49, Paul appears proud and headstrong. And then six years later in AD 55, when he writes to Corinthians, it's a more humble manner. I am the least of these apostles. Five years later again, um, he says, I am less than the least of all the Lord's people. And finally, two years before his death, he says, I am the worst of sinners. 
Is there something about in our walk as we mature, we are more aware of our brokenness and our vulnerability? What about me? What about you? Are you more aware of your brokenness and vulnerability the more you follow Jesus? And perhaps that is okay. Perhaps that is okay. Openness to Jesus seems to be marked by an awareness of our own inadequacies. Zacchaeus running, Zacchaeus climbing. Are you running and climbing? And interestingly, it seems to be marked with an exchange. Did you notice this? An even, almost even-handed approach. How can I help you and could you help me? Jesus said to Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus, come down immediately and I must stay in your house today. And Zacchaeus responds with hospitality. He brings hospitality and Jesus brings presence. Jesus brought forgiveness and Zacchaeus brought generosity. What a wonderful exchange. Zacchaeus offered hospitality and Jesus brought presence. Jesus brought forgiveness and Zacchaeus offered generosity. Our vulnerability, our brokenness does not preclude us from serving others, from caring. In fact, it's the reason why we can, because we know what it is to be ministered by Jesus. We pass it on because we have no choice but to pass it on. We have a great leadership team here at Central, and I, I count it a privilege to know these people, to lead with them, and I hope we are leading well. But the strength of Central is not this team, it's us. It's us. It takes us to welcome people. It takes us to minister to each other. It takes us to share life together. We have bold, courageous choices to make this week. Pretense and protection or authenticity and involvement. Rich young ruler, or this small, generous tax collector. Pretense and protection, or authenticity and involvement. At times, I see authenticity used as a form of manipulation and coercion. That isn't authenticity. Authenticity isn't flashing your brokenness to get attention, to cause pain or to hurt others. Authenticity is looking someone else in the eye, square in the eye, and saying, I am here. I am listening. I am walking with you. I am standing shoulder to shoulder because I am broken and vulnerable too. Creating safe environment for others to come out of hiding and be themselves. Two men offering us two very different endings. Which might you choose? Let's not oversimplify these stories Let's not paint one as good and one as bad, but see the complexities of their life, the complexities of life that they illustrate. And in Zacchaeus, this unlikely character, I see someone broken and vulnerable yet transformed, utterly transformed. Might I, might you be willing to give up our preconceived notions of strength and togetherness? and embrace our brokenness and vulnerability, knowing that in the hands of our Saviour, it is a thing of beauty. In the chapter, there's this list. Let me read it to you. 
list of, uh, of the failing of people in the Bible. It says, Moses stuttered, David's armour didn't fit, John Mark deserted Paul, Timothy had ulcers, Hosea's wife was a prostitute, Amos's only training was farming, Jacob was a liar, David had an affair, Naomi was a widow, Paul a persecutor, Moses a murderer. Jonah ran from God's ill will. Gideon and Thomas both doubted. Jeremiah was depressed and suicidal. Elijah was burnt out. John the Baptist was a loudmouth. Martha was a worrywart. Noah got drunk. Solomon was too rich and Jesus too poor. Abraham was too old and David was too young. Peter was afraid of death and Lazarus was died. And yet it seems... God walks with these people and uses their lives to minister to those around them. Our brokenness, our weakness is never an exclusion. So let me finish where I started. What does a mature follower of Jesus look like? What image do you carry in your mind's eye of what that person might look like? Might I suggest that brokenness and vulnerability are assets in the hands of Jesus? So look in the mirror today. Do not allow yourself to shrug back or hide behind lies of exclusion, but simply come. Come to him. Seek him and then seek ways to do the same for others around you.